Thank you for joining me today, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Um, today we're going to talk about um, an extremely important topic, okay. and that is peace in the Middle East. Okay. Yeah. I think it's like one of those ongoing problems that the world has. Um, and it's been ongoing for a very long time. It seems to have been a problem since really World War II. And it began with the establishment of the state of Israel. Yes, it is uh, a huge issue. I mean, uh, it's in the headlines all the time. Going back uh, my entire life, I always remember hearing uh, about issues in the Middle East. Can you give us a little bit of an intro, a little bit of an uh, introduction about the establishment of the State of Israel? What happened? Why did it take place? Um, well, in it's very famous that in World War II, uh, there was just this widespread persecution of the the Jewish people. Uh, Adolf Hitler uh, decided that he was going to build the the Third Reich in Germany, and uh, he was rounding up the the Jewish people and uh, putting them in internment camps and persecuting them uh, to the extent that it created, uh, you know, the very famous event of the Holocaust, uh, mm -hmm. which, which basically everyone has heard about. Um, and it, it, it created World War II. This is what prompted World War II. And, uh, after World War II, the nations came together and they, they basically established that, um, there should be a, a, a state for these people who have been so oppressed and they put them in the state which was uh, formerly Palestine and, and then uh, it became Israel. So basically when we look at it from a biblical standpoint, let's rewind and go back thousands of years. Okay, so what is the claim that the Jews have to the land of uh, Israel? This this land, what is the claim? It's the land that God gave to Abraham, and he promised that this land would belong to Abraham and his descendants. Yeah, so basically in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God establishes a covenant with Abraham. Mm -hmm. And he tells Abraham that he's going to bless him. And he's going to make from him a large nation. And he's going to establish for them or give them this land. And the land that he gives to Abraham and his descendants is specifically what? From the Nile to the Euphrates. And uh, by the way, the, the Palestinians, they claim that that's the hidden meaning behind the current flag of Israel. You know, because it has these two blue stripes. Mm -hmm. So they claim that the two blue stripes are the two rivers, right? The Nile and the Euphrates. And everything in between the Nile and the Euphrates is Israel yes. with the Star of David in the middle of it. And uh, the Israelis don't really state that that's what it means. But the Palestinians state that's absolutely what it means. And that they have 
plans to expand their state and uh, eventually to that the state of Israel would would be actually from the Nile River in Egypt all the way to the Euphrates um, in Iraq. So then what happens? So God gives this land to Abraham, um, but Abraham is just him and his family. They're not a lot of people, so it takes many generations to come. And then, and then what, what takes place? Basically, we fast forward and we're in the time of Moses. The Israelites are many. They become 600,000. It's a thriving community in Egypt. And then Moses leads them out of Egypt uh, towards the promised land. Mm -hmm. But the Israelites in the Quran and the Israelites in the Torah, in the Old Testament, they're complaining all the time. Um, they don't really believe in Moses. Uh, they don't have good faith at all. And so what happens? So God delays their entrance into the promised land because they don't even want to go in there and, and fight. They're afraid. They don't really believe uh, that God's going to give them victory. So after the older generation kind of dies out, it's up to Joshua, the son of Nun, and the children who are now adults with Joshua to enter into the promised land. And that's exactly what they do. And they go in by force. God's with them. And they conquer all of the uh, Philistines, all the Palestinians that are living in that area um, at that time. And God's promise is fulfilled, right? Yes. And then they establish a great kingdom, the likes the world has never seen before. And Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, they all agree on that. They all agree that, that Joshua was a prophet. They all agree that David was a prophet. Solomon was a prophet. Solomon was given a kingdom the likes of no other, right? Yes. And Israel is thriving. And God's with them. Mm -hmm. But then at certain points in their history, they start doing really bad things. They start disbelieving. They start worshiping other gods. They start killing their prophets and their messengers. And that leads them actually uh, to earn the wrath or the anger of God. And basically God kicks them out into exile. He supports invading forces. He supports tyrants to come in and wipe out Israel. So God goes from being with Israel to being against Israel and supporting the enemy. And they lose their kingdom. And they go into exile. They're captured by who? The first time. Do you remember who they're captured by? The Babylonians. Hmm? The Babylonians. The Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar. He takes them uh, hostage. And they lose it for a very long time. And then what happens? Then at some point in time, uh, they regain the, the land of, of Israel again. Um, they repent, and they spend many years repenting and asking God to forgive them, and, and they listen to their prophets and the messengers, and eventually God would send a righteous king like Cyrus or one of these guys to help them rebuild the temple. Yeah. And then Israel thrives once more. Until what happens? Until the coming of their Messiah, Jesus. And that's, I guess, where the beginning of the disagreement takes place between Jews, Christians, and Muslims. 
the Jews don't acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they arrest him. And they crucify him in the apparent, right? Mm -hmm. And a few years later, the temple is destroyed. And they go into exile again. Yes. But this time for a very long exile, Tiffany, that lasts like almost 2,000 years. Yes. Right? Yes. So the Christians and the Muslims, they say... The reason why they were exiled is clear. And the reason why they were exiled is because there was a punishment from God upon them. God was angry because they killed their Messiah. After killing John the Baptist, after killing Zechariah, after killing a whole host of prophets and messengers, they, they finally do that thing, which it's one too many times, and they kill Jesus the Messiah. Yes. And they go into exile. And that's the exile part. It's a historical fact. It's just the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims, they disagree on the reason why. Yeah. So then what takes place? Then they start living in other countries. You have a small Jewish community that eventually goes back and resettles in Palestine. But you have Jews that are living mainly all over the world now. It's a scattered nation. They're living in, in Europe, they're living in the United States, they're living uh, in Asia and Russia, they're, they're all over the place, yeah. right? Yeah, completely scattered nation. Completely scattered. And then World War I happens, World War II happens, and Hitler comes. And Hitler really punishes the Jews hard. He accuses them of being behind a global conspiracy. He's a, an extreme anti-Semite. And he starts uh, massacring Jews and imprisoning them. And then they first go into Palestine as refugees. And then at some point, at some point, so because you said that like, you know, uh, America and them, they said, hey, we need the world said we need to give them a state. But really what happened is that first they were just refugees. Yeah. And, and Palestine opened up its hands, its arms and welcomed them as refugees in their state. And then at some point they decided to declare their independence. And immediately within like a few minutes of the declaration of independence, the United States backs them up and they become officially recognized. And Israel becomes once more for a third time. Yeah. Immediately, the Arab states are infuriated. They're angry. Um, they launch war against Israel. And Israel uh, begins to have this very turbulent time uh, in the 1960s, 1970s, where it's uh, fighting wars against uh, Syria, against Egypt, uh, against all the Arabs, really. Yeah. And then it thrives and it becomes a nuclear state and everything becomes stable. With the backing of the United States, Israel stands. But there's a major difference between the first time that they established their kingdom in the time of David and 
the second time after they regained it when they got back in before their second exile. In the first time and the second time, they both, they had the temple there. Yeah. The temple where the Ark of the Covenant was and the Spirit of God dwelt. But the third time, they're not able to. In the temple. Why are they not able to? Uh, it's in the most uh, sought-after piece of land. The Christians want it, the Jews want it, and the Muslims want it, and they all claim that it's theirs. Why? Why are they? Why are they? Why is everybody wanting it? Um, it is the the site of everybody's holy places. So the Jews is clear why, right? It's the site where their temple was built, and they believe that this temple has to be rebuilt again on that exact same site. It can't be built anywhere else. Um, and they have a lot of prophecies and a lot of beliefs that are attached to the rebuilding of the temple, including what? The instructions? Exactly. No, they, they believe that when the temple is built, their oh, Messiah yes, is going to come. Yes, yeah, right? yes. Okay. So why do the Christians want the land, though? Uh, because they, it has to do with uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and the, the holy sites in, in that area uh, where all, all of that took place. There's a, this is the site. Yeah, but, the, but, but the, the Christians are not really fighting for the land. It's mainly like between the Muslims and the Jews. Yeah. And uh, if you look in America, you know, like there's a lot of uh, Christians that are actually Zionists. And they, they support the building of the, of the Jewish temple. That's true. And they believe that if the Jewish temple is built... That the Messiah, Jesus will come back. Jesus will come back. Yeah. So that's why it's important to them. So they're actually, yes, they, they like the idea uh, of the temple being rebuilt, but they're kind of like on the side of the Jews. You see, Christians, Christianity is just a sect of Judaism in reality. The only difference between Christianity and Judaism is just that the Christians, um, they believe in, a, in that the Messiah has come, whereby the Jews haven't, mm. right? Yes, and, true. And the Christians are Gentiles. It's a nation of non-Jewish people for the most part. So yeah? it's like a Gentile sect of Judaism. <laughs> exactly. Judaism for Gentiles. Judaism for Gentiles. Okay, so why do the Muslims want it? Uh, their holy site is also there. Yeah. So basically, the Muslims, um, in the time of the Prophet Muhammad he had an experience. It was called the Night Ascension, where the Prophet Muhammad saw, and he narrated to his companions, that within one night he was transported um, from Mecca to Jerusalem. And he traveled up into the heavens and he spoke with God and many things happened. But when he was in Jerusalem, he lands on the site of the temple at Masjid al-Aqsa. And the Masjid al-Aqsa, he prays with, with the attendance of all of the prophets and the messengers. And the scholars, they differ on whether the attendance of the prophets and the messengers was in the spirit or was it a physical attendance and the miracle that God uh, brought them back physically also as the Prophet Muhammad or how exactly 
this took place. But they believe, the Muslims believe, Sunni and Shia, that the Prophet Muhammad led in prayer all of the 124,000 prophets and messengers. And originally in Islam, it was that site that was the original Qibla. It was the first Qibla, the, the first direction of prayer. So the Jews, they pray facing the temple. The Muslims too, in the beginning of Islam, they were praying facing the temple. Except in the time of the Prophet Muhammad uh, the temple was already destroyed, so there was no temple in place. Okay? Yes, yes. All right. So then, what's the big deal then? Well, the big deal is that after the Prophet Muhammad passed away, um, and here's where history differs a little bit. Um, basically, there are, it's written in history that it's either Umar ibn Khattab, the second of the Muslim caliphs, or Muawiyah, or a combination of both of them. Umar and Muawiyah, in their times, basically, they construct a mosque on top of the site of the temple. Okay. And they, they call that mosque Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Yes. After its reference to the temple in the Qur'an. So the term Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in the Qur'an, it's actually just talking about the temple. Mm -hmm. but, but now Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is referring to this masjid, this mosque that was built by Omar or, or and Muawiyah. Okay. Okay? Yes. And that's what they're fighting over. Now they consider that this masjid is a Muslim relic. It's a holy land for Muslims, and we cannot let it go because it was built on the site where the Prophet prayed. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And so because of that, because of the importance of Jerusalem, because of the site of the temple, since the establishment of the State of Israel, and until today, you have almost on a daily basis violence taking place between one, one group of human beings and another, between Muslims and Jews. Yeah. Jews shooting at Muslims, Muslims bombing Jews. Uh, Jews killing Muslims, Muslims killing Jews. Over what? Over... The fact that in each one's religious book, they believe that God wanted this land to be for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a promise. And this has been like the, the very huge, big political problem that all of the U.S. presidents and all of the leaders of the nations have been trying to solve. And all the politicians, they've been trying to solve this, this thing and, and they haven't been able to reach a solution. No, they haven't. Uh, they've come up with proposals, but usually all the proposals were rejected. And now there's violent expansions, illegal settlements that are taking place. Uh, there's been many wars that have happened between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And it's a horrible thing. There's women, 
there's children, there's innocent men that are dying. Yeah. They, they basically live in a, in a state of war all the time. They, mm -hmm. they live in a war zone all the time. Do you know some of the proposals that they've come up with? Um, I'm not familiar with many details, no, on these proposals. So one of them was the famous two-state solution, where it's like the Palestinians have a state and Israel has a state and it's kind of like stuck side by side or within one another. Mm -hmm. And Jerusalem is like a neutral grounds mm -hmm. and the Jews don't like this. No. And the Palestinians don't like this. Well, the Palestinians kind of like it and they kind of have agreed that that be the case, uh, but the Jews don't like it. Because they can't rebuild their temple. Exactly. It's important to them. Yeah. And you have like two types of Jews that are in Israel. You have the, the, the Jews in Israel that are not religious and they're just like democratic free Jews and they just believe in democracy. And then there's the Jews that are religious and they really believe in this stuff. But the basis for the claim that the Jews have that this is their land is based on what? The scripture. Exactly. It's based on the scripture. So how do we solve this problem, Tiffany? Let's try to come up with a solution today. Me and you. Okay. All right. Let's I'm do ready. it. Are you ready? Yes. What should we do? Um, I am wise enough to know that I don't have the answer, but I'm also wise enough to think that you would. Well, I do have a proposal. I think it would, it would solve things. It would be the ultimate solution for peace in the Middle East. Okay. I propose that since the Jews are claiming that this is their land, and since they're claiming that it was originally given to them by God, and that every time they were exiled, God was upset with them, and that every time they were given back the land, God is happy with them. So they believe that they should stay there because God gave it to them, and God brought them back to the land, and God is enforcing their staying in the land today. Right? Yes, that's true. And the Muslims believe that the Jews are disbelievers, breakers of the covenant, killers of the prophets and the messengers. They believe that they don't have a claim to the land. Mm -hmm. I think that we should go back to the Holy Scriptures and let the Holy Scriptures be the judge in this type of situation. Okay. The Muslims, they have in the Quran a validation for the Torah. They believe in the Torah and they believe also in the Hebrew prophets and messengers. And the Jews certainly believe in the Torah and they believe in the Hebrew prophets and messengers. I can think of in the Torah of another incident that took place in the Jewish history where the Bani Israel was going astray. Now, they had ruling over them an evil king who was a Jew, but he was a disbeliever. He had betrayed the God of the Jews and he begun to install the worship of Baal. Do you know this story? Um, king Ahab and Elijah. Okay. All right. So what takes place between them? Elijah in the scripture, he pretty much goes one day to King Ahab 
and to the, the, the Israelites and the, the prophets of the temple of Baal. And he says, guys, for how long are you guys going to walk back and forth confused, unable to decide if it's this or if it's this, right? And he makes this amazing proposal, which solves everything. Elijah says, he says, let's get two cows, okay? And you bring the 450 prophets of Baal and let them pick whichever one of these two cows that they want. And we'll take the other one. And let them slaughter the cow. And let them lay the cow as an offering on wood. And we'll do the same. And whichever offering God accepts and consumes by fire, then he's with them. Mm. He's the right God. We'll worship that God. If fire consumes the cow that was sacrificed and offered by the prophets of Baal, then we're losers. We don't have God with us and we'll all become followers of Baal. Okay, so it's like a mubahala. It's a mubahala. But if we win, then you guys got to follow our God. I think we should do the same today. I think that's the only solution for peace in the Middle East. We should have a giant mubahana that takes place where we get all of the prominent Jewish rabbis. We tell Israel, bring all of your most prominent rabbis, whoever it is that you choose, all your holy men, bring them. We get all of the international TV stations recording. We bring the UN out there. We bring international organizations. We televise the event live. And we bring the Muslims too. And we make them pick the Palestinians, the best of their sheikhs, the best of their imams. And we let each one of them slaughter a cow and offer it on wood, an offering on an altar, and whatever offering is accepted by fire, then God is with them. I think that's an amazing idea. I think that that's an amazing uh, solution because you're going back to exactly what they believe. They, you're going back to the way that they understand God to communicate and how God has communicated before, according to the scriptures. If fire consumes the offering of Israel in front of the whole world, then everybody should immediately convert to Judaism. And, and the Muslims should be the first people to destroy Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and allow the rebuilding of the temple. And if it's not, though, accepted, and the offering of the Muslims is accepted, well, then the Jews have to review themselves and they have to immediately be ready to accept that God, their Hebrew God, the same God which they claim the Muslims are worshiping too, and that's why Jews allow themselves to pray in mosques, is not with them. And he just embarrassed them really bad, let them down really bad on international television in front of everybody. All the Israelis need to know that they're not on good terms with God. He didn't accept their offering. Clearly, he's not with them. And they have no basis for their claim anymore. Yeah. And now they should convert to Islam.
and become Muslims because now the, the God of, of their Torah has clearly sided and favored Muhammad and his followers. Wow, I, I've, I've never heard of such a, a brilliant solution and uh, it's exactly, uh, the story just reminds me of all of these stories of the wise leaders in the scriptures, mm -hmm. even in the scriptures of, of that the, the Jews believe in. Uh, stories about like the wisdom of Solomon and as you just said, this, uh, this idea of uh, the Mubahala with King Ahab. Uh, this is uh, only only a person from God could come up with such a brilliant solution that you let God do the talking. We should let God do the talking because they're all talking in the name of God, but yeah. nobody's allowing God to talk. The only other possibility is that neither one of their um, offerings is accepted. And if that is the case, they'll have one of two choices. One, they need to see who has God established a covenant with today. Two, they just both admit that they're both disbelievers, they're both on bad terms with God, and they just cut out all of the religious uh, aspects of their country and their society, and they live together as one people, and that's the end of the story. It's genius. Is there any other solution that you can foresee? I, I really can't, because there is no solution except, as we said, uh, that God gives the answer. And if they truly believe that God is with them, as they claim... They won't be afraid. They won't be afraid. But that's the question. That's the question. Do they really believe... That God's with them? Yeah. If they do believe that God's with them, then they should have no problem coming out and doing this in front of the whole world. It's true. They Nothing should be happy, actually. Yes, exactly. Finally, God is going to speak on their behalf, but will they? That's the question. Well, I mean, they're building the temple for God. It's true. So God kind of has the prime opportunity now to, to say, yes, people, I want this temple built, right? Yes. If he wants the temple, then he can say. But if they don't accept to do this, then what does it mean? It means they're scared. It means they don't believe or they know that God's not with them. Yeah. And that is where the real shame would lie. And in that case, um, the Jewish people um, should question their leaders. And they should actually probably vote them out of power or remove them because they're being led by Jews that are claiming to be Jewish, but they're not really believers in Judaism. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I have no words for, to express how genius I believe this uh, plan is and how needed and refreshing it is to hear the, such honesty. Uh, somebody calling for people to be honest with themselves. Because uh, I think that the world is so filled with people just talking and coming up with plans and coming up with trying to come up with solutions, but they're not really trying to come up with solutions. Uh, it, what's really missing in the world is honesty and uh, people being honest with themselves, whether they really believe. Uh, well, all or these don't. solutions are made up by people, and so what we've been seeing is the continuous failure of the supremacy of the people the continuous failure of the solutions from the people. And I think that the only way to solve it is to allow God to give a solution, you know, and allow God to speak. That's if it. he doesn't speak, then that's another story. Thank you so much for joining me, Tiffany.
Thank you so much for having me. It was it's such an honor. God bless you. Thank you.